Now in the following ayah, the Muslims are instructed as to how they're going to deal with the mushrikeen. When? After the four-month grace period is over, how are the mushrikeen going to be dealt with? Let's say there is a person who outright comes and says, I'm not going to recognize the authority of the Prophet ﷺ. I'm still remaining on my shirk. How is he going to be dealt with? If there's a people who are showing hostility to the Muslims despite the passage of this four-month grace period, now how are they going to be dealt with? What if there is a person who never found out? Let's say there is a Bedouin. All right, Nobody from his family went for hajj. He never found out. And after eight months, he finds out that if I'm on shirk, that's not allowed anymore. So how is he going to be dealt with? فَإِذَا سَوَنْ إِنْ سَلَخَ It is over. It has passed. إِنْ سَلَخَ Remember the word we learned earlier also? That the one whom Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave the knowledge of the ayat. And what happened? فَنْسَلَخَ مِنْهَ He got out of them. Right? He slithered out of them. He came out of them like a snake comes out of his skin. So فَإِذَنْ سَلَخَ When it has passed, when it is over. What is over? الْأَشْهُرُ The months, plural of shahr. Which months? الْحُرُمْ The sacred ones, plural of haram. Now the sacred months over here doesn't refer to the four sacred months in which fighting is prohibited. It refers to the four months in which the mushrikeen still had security. Alright? This is basically referring to the four months of grace period that the mushrikeen were given. Alright? Which are mentioned earlier. فَسِيحُوا فِي الْأَرْضِ أَرْبَعَةَ أَشْهُرْ Now, which four months were these? Now remember that on the 10th of the Hijjah, the ninth year after Hijrah, is when Ali radiallahu anhu made the announcement. So four months from then would be what? From 10th of the Hijjah to 10th of Muharram, the first month. What comes after Muharram? Safar, second month, then Rabi'ul Awwal, and then Rabi'ul Thani. So basically, the 10th of Rabi'ul Thani, 10th year after Hijrah. So basically, Rabi'ul Thani, 10th year after Hijrah was when the grace period was going to be over. After that, what's going to happen? By then, many of the mushrikeen already have either left or they have decided to accept Islam and they have decided to give up their hostilities to the Muslims, to the Prophet ﷺ. They have basically surrendered. You see, you might think that they're being forced to surrender. And this is what people say. Islam was established by the sword. It was spread by the sword. But this is not the case. If you think about it, some people, they accept and they understand. When you explain something to them, they use their mind and they cooperate. But there's some other people who are given time, whom you explain matters to, but they still don't get it. When they don't get it, then are they supposed to be punished or not? Yes. Because what they're doing is pretty serious. Like for example, if there's a person who's caught repeatedly, how? That he's speeding. Or that he's driving without his seatbelt. Or he's driving when he's drunk. Okay? And he's gotten into several accidents. What's going to happen eventually? Is he going to be allowed to keep a license and keep driving? What's going to happen eventually? He's either going to end up in jail, or his license is going to be taken away, and he cannot drive for a certain number of years, for a certain number of months, and depending on the damages that he's caused, he's going to suffer. Correct? Depending on the damages that a person has caused, he's going to suffer. Right? So likewise, the mushrikeen, had they been given plenty of time? Had they been given plenty of time? Yes. 
Thirteen years of Makkah, so many years in Medina, treaty after treaty, message after message, cooperation on the part of the Muslims. But we see that some of the mushrikeen were determined, they were fixed upon their shirk. Even if they saw the truth as clear as the splitting of the moon in front of their eyes, did they accept? They didn't. Did they surrender? No. Now if you let this person have a choice, because this is what we believe in, everybody should have that freedom to choose what they want to, to do what they want to. Like for example, our country is what? A multicultural country where people have the choice to make their own decisions concerning their religion, their faith, and they will be respected. Correct? But what will not be tolerated? Violence against someone. Even if your religion dictates that. Correct? Which is why, when you get your citizenship of this country, you are told that you have the freedom to practice your faith. But if your faith encourages you to oppress women, that's not going to be tolerated. If your religion encourages you to do this or that, it's not going to be tolerated. Correct? So, we see that the mushrikeen were given plenty of time, but their mere existence in Arabia was a threat to the Muslims. It was a threat to the Muslims. It was a threat to all the people over there. Because the mushrikeen were violent people full of hatred for the Muslims, for Islam, for Tawheed. And when such people with hatred are living in a community, you think they're going to spread peace? You think they're going to follow the laws? No. They're going to harm others. So this is why they were given an ultimatum, that that's it. Four months, and after that, you're no longer going to be tolerated. So after these four months have passed, and if there are some people who are still persistent on their crimes, on their shirk, then should they be given the freedom to live and kill the Muslims and assault Muslim women? Should they be given the freedom? No, they're not going to be given that freedom. Then that freedom is going to be taken away. And this is the way of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He gives time to a person. Go ahead. You have the freedom. Do what you want. Allah is watching you. He is observing your deeds. And then eventually, the time comes when the angel of death is going to appear before him. Right? And that person has to go. A time comes when that person is going to be caught. Correct? What happened to Fir'aun? Was he not given freedom for so long? What happened to the people of Hud The people of Salih The people of Lut Were they punished the first day? The people of Nuh Were they punished the first day? No, they weren't. It was when the argument had been established against them. The truth was delivered. Message was conveyed. The evidence was established against them that these people are guilty. Then it was that the punishment of Allah was sent. Whether it was in the form of a flood or it was in the form of an earthquake or a blast, and to the mushrikeen, what punishment was sent? At the hands of the Muslims. That now your time is up. Now your time is up. And when it is up, therefore the Muslims are commanded, that فَقْتُلُوا Then kill. Who? Al-mushrikeen, the mushrikeen. Where? حَيْثُ Wherever? وَجَدْتُمُوهُمْ You find them. Meaning, whether you find them in the haram, that they're persistent on their crimes and they say, well, you know what, I'm standing next to the Kaaba and you can't do anything to me. Doesn't matter. Four months have passed, their grace period is over, now they're going to be brought to justice. And what is that? That they're not allowed to live anymore. Because if they're allowed to live, they're going to continue their crimes.
So, فَقْتُلُوا الْمُشْرِكِينَ حَيْثُ وَجَدْتُمُوهُمْ Whether you find them in the haram or you find them in the hill. What is the haram? The area of the Kaaba and its surroundings. And the hill is outside of that. Alright? وَخُذُوهُمْ And seize them. Meaning catch them. وَحْصُرُوهُمْ وَحْصُرُوهُمْ From the root letters ha sad ra Besiege them. حَصْر To lay siege. So for example, if they go and take shelter in a house, in a fort, then what should you do? Let them be so that they can strengthen themselves up over there and come out and again spread violence and cause the people to suffer? No, you're going to lay siege outside so the moment they come out, they're caught and brought to justice. So, وَحْصُرُوهُمْ وَقْعُدُوا لَهُمْ And sit for them, wait for them. Where? كُلَّ Every, each مَرْصَدْ Place of ambush. Marsad from the root letters Rasad Dal. Rasada is to sit and wait. To lie and wait for something or someone to come. Alright? So Marsad is a place of ambush. Like for example, a group of people knows that their enemy is going to pass from a particular place. So what do they do? They go and camp. Alright? And they hide. So as soon as the enemy appears, they can go and attack. This is Marsad. So Lie in wait for them at every place of ambush. In other words, go after them and do not spare them at all. Don't even spare one of them. Because if you spare even one of them, what is he going to do? He's going to create fasad. He's going to disturb the peace in the land. He is going to create tensions. He's going to create difficulties. Like for example, if there is even one serial killer, even one person who blew a bomb somewhere, is he allowed to live? No, not even one person. Not allowed. Now this ayah, if you don't keep the context in mind, and if you don't understand when it was revealed for which purpose, don't you think it can be easily misunderstood? And that's exactly what people do. They don't even quote, فَإِذًا سَلَخَ الْأَشْهُرُ الْحُرُمُ They just say, Chapter number 9, verse number 5, So kill the polytheists, the infidels, wherever you find them. These are the teachings of Islam, so-called peaceful religion. This is what they say. Right? But if you look, what is the context? Four months, grace period. Do what you want. Make up your mind. And after that, if you persist on your crimes, there's a whole history behind the surah, right? So if you... Don't change then, obviously, you're persisting on your crime then, you can't be allowed to live anymore. And look at the mercy of Allah. فَإِن And if they do tawbah, they repent. وَأَقَامُوا الصَّلَىٰ And they establish the prayer. وَآتَوُوا الزَّكَىٰ And they give the zakah. فَخَلُّوا سَبِيلَهُمْ So leave their way. خَلُّوا From خَالَمْ وَخَلُّوا To be empty. Meaning leave their way empty. In other words, let them go. Let them be free. Doesn't matter. If he came and battled against the Prophet ﷺ at Uhud, at the battle of the trench, doesn't matter what he did in the past. Now if he has done tawbah, now if he prays the salah, gives the zakah, then he is your brother. So leave him. Don't keep a grudge. Don't keep a grudge just because of his past. If Allah can forgive him, you should forgive him too. إِنَّ اللَّهَ غَفُورٌ رَّحِيمٌ Indeed, Allah is forgiving and merciful. Now what do we see over here? Despite the apparent strictness of these verses, we also see Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's mercy. That's so evident. That where 
there are people who have committed great crimes against humanity, there is also room for their repentance. If they repent, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will accept it. Because He is Ar-Rahman. More mercy. وَإِنْ أَحَدٌ And if anyone مِنَ الْمُشْرِكِينَ From the mushrikeen. If there is anyone from the mushrikeen who istajaraka, who seeks your protection. istajaraka from the root letters جِيم وَوْرَى جِيم وَوْرَى جَار Who is a jar? Not jar. Jar. Who is he? Enemy. No. Neighbor. Okay? Who is jar? Neighbor. Now, neighbor, what does he deserve from you? Protection. What kind of protection? That you don't harm them. Right? You don't harm them, and when they need your help, you support them. Alright? So, istajaraka means if he seeks your protection. If there is any mushrik who seeks your protection, against who? Against the Muslims. So let's say there is a mushrik who walks in, and he realizes, oh, no room for mushrikeen or for shirk over here. And he says, oh, oh, wrong place. Bad idea. Now what am I supposed to do? He says to a Muslim, can you please grant me protection so that no Muslim can harm me? So if there is a mushrik who seeks your protection, فَأَجِرْهُ Allah says then, give him protection. حَتَّى until يَسْمَعَ He hears kalam Allah, the speech of Allah, meaning the Qur'an. ثُمَّ then أَبْلِغْهُ Deliver him. Meaning, because when you've given someone protection, these days, I mean, people carry different things. Like for example, if you go to a country, all right, you're allowed to come there because of some visa that you have, some permit that you have, correct? If you don't have it, you're going to be put behind bars. And then eventually you'll be sent back home. All right? So back then, obviously people didn't have passports. Okay? So what was done? that the person who had given protection to someone, okay, he would accompany them. Okay? So if there is a mushrik, he comes into Arabia, and he says, I need your protection. I have a business transaction to conclude. So please, O Muslim man, give me protection. That Muslim man would accompany him. So Allah says, give him protection until A, he learns about the Qur'an, because he must be educated about Islam. This is not just hostility for no reason. He must learn about what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has sent. Because there are many people who are hostile towards Islam based on their absolute ignorance. They have no idea what Allah has revealed. Right? But And if they get to know, then their mind changes. Right? So give him protection so that A, he can come to know, and B, he is safe. And your protection should be with him until you deliver him to what? Ma'manahu. Ma'man, from the root letters, Hamza Mim Noon. Aman means safety, security. Ma'man, place of security. So basically, stay with him until he is in a place where he will be safe. So basically, with his people, amongst his family. That exception, allowance is made concerning them. Because indeed, they qawmun a people, la ya'lamun, who do not know. Now this ayah basically means that after the four months have ended, if there is a mushrik who says, I need your protection, I still don't want to accept Islam and I don't want to move from here. So what should the Muslims do? What should they do? Give him protection. Alright? But if he says, no, I don't need your protection anymore, then that person is not allowed to be in the Arabian Peninsula anymore. 
Some scholars said that it refers to those who come from a land which is at war with Muslims. Okay? And he comes to the area of Islam. So let's say there is a messenger, meaning a person who's been sent with an official letter to the leader of the Muslims. Okay? And this messenger, this envoy, is coming from who? Coming from where? From a people who are hostile. Now technically this person, the moment he walks in, he's not safe. But because he is a messenger, he will be given what? He will be given protection. And we see this, that once there was a person who came to the Prophet ﷺ with a letter. And the Prophet ﷺ asked him about the false prophet Musaylima, this man who had claimed to be a prophet, that do you believe that he is a messenger of Allah? Musaylima kathab. And that man said that, yes, I do believe. And the Prophet ﷺ said, I would have had you assassinated, but the only reason why I'm sparing your life is because you are an envoy. You are an envoy. This is the only reason why your life is spared. Alright? So likewise we see many other examples. If a person has come for a business transaction, even from a hostile people, but he's got that protection, he will be allowed to come. You understand? He has been granted permission to come there. Now, these days also we see that in the haram. Technically, no non-Muslims should be going there. Isn't that so? But there are people who are employed to do certain works, whether it's construction related, engineering related, whatever it may be. Now, how do they come? Based on some official permission. Alright? What is that? That is like a security that has been granted to them. You understand? And this is why no Muslim can go up to them and hurt them. Just because they say that, oh, he's a kafir, why is he here? No, you're not allowed to do that. You're not allowed to do that. Because many Muslims, based on their ignorance and such biases, they become reactive in this way. This is not correct. Likewise, if there is a non-Muslim living in a Muslim land, alright, like for example, a Jew or a Christian, where the khilafah is, okay, and that person has been granted security, and if he is hurt, if he is killed, if he is abused, then the Muslim who abuses him, hurts him, kills him, will suffer a lot in the hereafter. He will be far removed from paradise. He will be punished because of that. So what do we learn basically in this ayah? That the Prophet ﷺ was sent as a mercy to mankind. He was not sent as a prophet of war. As a person who came to kill people so that they would go to hellfire. No. He came for the guidance of people as mercy for mankind. And this is why we see that even after the passage of grace period, if any mushrik sought refuge, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, give him protection. And let him hear the word of Allah. We see that at the conquest of Makkah, Umhani, a woman, she gave refuge to some mushrikeen. Imagine, a woman, a Muslim woman, is giving refuge to who? Certain men from among the mushrikeen. And that was accepted, that was respected by the Muslims. That this particular mushrik has been given protection by Umhani, you can't harm him, you can't hurt him. He's safe. You have to respect him. Now Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions the wisdom, the reason 
behind why all of these pacts are annulled and why the mushrikeen are no longer going to be safe in Arabia. Allah says, Kaifa, how? Why? Yakunu, it should be. Lil mushrikeena for the, for the idolaters, for the mushrikeen. Ahdun, a covenant, عند الله, near Allah, وعند Rasuli, and near His Messenger. Meaning, on what basis should these covenants continue? On what basis should these treaties not be annulled? What have these people done, the mushrikeen, what have they done that their pacts should be maintained? In other words, when they've proven themselves to be treacherous, all the crimes that they've committed against the Muslims, do you think it makes any sense that the Muslims should continue with their treaties with them? Because you see, a Muslim, he doesn't, a believer does not get deceived, does not get hurt from the same hole twice. This is what the Prophet ﷺ said. Hmm? That if there is a hole, and from that hole, you know, a creature comes out and bites you, you take a lesson from that. You don't go near it and let yourself be bitten a second time, and a third time, and a fourth time. No, you're going to take a lesson the first time. So you made a treaty with the people for 10 years, and they violated it within two years. Should you make another treaty with them? Should you make it? That's foolishness. It's absolute foolishness. So, كَيْفَ يَكُونُ لِلْمُشْرِكِينَ عَهْدٌ عِنْدَ اللَّهِ وَعِنْدَ رَسُولِهِ Why should there be? They don't deserve that. Look at their attitude. إِلَّا الَّذِينَ But look at the justice of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He does not generalize everyone. Except for those who عَاهَدْتُمْ You made a covenant with عِنْدَ الْمَسْجِدِ الْحَرَامِ Near the sacred mosque. What is this referring to? that after the Treaty of Hudaybiyah that was made near the sacred mosque, remember that there were many tribes that entered into alliance with the Muslims. And they respected that. Alright? So Allah says that those people, فَمَا So as long as istaqamu, they are upright, لَكُمْ towards you, فَاسْتَقِيمُوا لَهُمْ Then you also remain upright towards them. Meaning, these people, since that time, they have not violated the treaty, even a little bit. So as long as they are upright towards you, Meaning, they maintain the treaty. You also maintain it. Why? Because, إِنَّ اللَّهَ يُحِبُّ الْمُتَّقِينَ Again, there is an encouragement. Indeed, Allah loves the people who have taqwa. So what do we learn here? That the Muslims are obligated to observe and abide by international law. Alright? Or some pacts that you've made. If you've made a promise that something's going to happen, you're going to do something, they're going to do something, then you better fulfill it. Especially when the other party has been honest with you. If they're being dishonest, then you have to do something. Right? But if they're being honest, then you have to remain true to the treaty also. Because what is the biggest justification that Muslims use? They're non-Muslims anyway. And based on that, we lie, we cheat, we give incorrect information, we lie about our age, we lie about the number of people in our family, we lie about our income, we lie about everything. And what justification do we have? They're kafir. But what do we learn here? If they're being honest with you, they're being honest with you, they have a treaty with you, they're abiding by it, then you also must abide by it. And those who don't abide by it, then what are they doing? They lack taqwa. إِنَّ اللَّهَ يُحِبُّ الْمُتَّقِينَ Allah loves those people who have taqwa, so you should also observe taqwa.
كَيْفَ How? Again, why should you have a treaty with the rest of the mushrikeen who have repeatedly betrayed you? وَإِن and if يَظْهَرُوا They gain dominance. ظَهَرَ They gain dominance. They become victorious. عَلَيْكُمْ Over you. Meaning if they ever get the better of you, they ever catch a few of you, they defeat you somewhere, will they have any respect for your lives? For your people? No, not at all. You see, when the Prophet ﷺ was victorious at Badr, he brought along with him 70 captives, correct? And we learned about how the captives were dealt with. Those amongst them, who were very few, who had committed serious crimes since the beginning, they were killed. And the rest of them, they were allowed to ransom themselves. And those who could not ransom themselves, how were they dealt with? Either they were let go for free, or they were told, fine, you don't have money, you have the skill of knowledge, teach 10 children and you can go. And how were they dealt with? They were given bread when the Muslims themselves would eat dates. Correct? We learned about this, how the Prophet ﷺ treated the prisoners of war. The mushrikeen on the other hand, if they ever caught a Muslim, they ever caught a Muslim, what would they do? Allah describes it over here. La not yarqubu. They would observe. Fikum. They would consider. Fikum concerning you. Illan. Any pact of kinship. Wala and nor. Dhimma. Any covenant. Yarqubu. From the root letters raqafba. Raqaba. It's basically to observe, to watch, but it also means to take into consideration. If they ever catch one of you, they do not take into consideration any illan and no dhimma. What is illan? Illan from the root letters hamza, lam, lam. It's basically used for blood relationship, blood tie, qaraba. Okay? That there is some relationship between two individuals. Alright? It's also said that illan is used for Half, a pact. So the societal laws that are there, okay, any tribal affiliation or the laws that are established of respecting each other, all right, they don't consider that at all. Meaning, they don't take into consideration that this man is Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam. He is from the Quraysh, the most noble tribe of Arabia. They don't take into consideration that this man is Abu Bakr. Abu Bakr, the person who is the most soft-hearted amongst us. The person who is very noble, has dignity amongst us. They don't take into consideration the tribal affiliations. Not at all. So, when they don't have any respect for that, then should you keep getting deceived by them? Not at all. Which is why we see that when the mushrikeen captured Khubayb radiallahu anhu, then what did they do? First of all, they imprisoned him for so long in Mecca. Alright? For very long. And then eventually they decided to publicly assassinate him in a very, very brutal way. But before he was going to be assassinated, he asked if he could pray to Raqqa'ah. If he could perform some salah. And he did. And we see then they killed him in such a brutal way that the people who describe that incident... You know, that reading that description is so disturbing. They didn't take into consideration that this man, okay, even if he belongs to a different tribe, he is an Arab. Somehow he's related to us. He's from our country. They don't take into consideration the fact that you are from their country. They don't respect that at all. 
because they hate you for being a Muslim. They hate you for being a follower of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Right? So this is what was happening in Arabia. لَا يَرْقُبُوا فِيكُمْ إِلَّا وَلَا ذِمَّةِ ذِمَّةِ On the other hand is a pact of protection. That someone has a pact of protection. Like for example, think about what happened between Banu Bakr and Khuza'ah. How the people of Khuza'ah, they were chased into the haram, they're seeking refuge in the haram, and they're killed over there. And the Quraysh, instead of stopping that, they're assisting that violence. Can you imagine? So that dhimma, where did it go? That pact of protection, where did that go? It disappeared. So these people, when they have proven themselves that they hate you with all their hearts, that even if you are related to them through blood, or there's some pact between the two of you, still they don't respect your life and your honor and your wealth and your property, your dignity. They don't have any respect for you. Then should you be fooled by them? No. Then you have to break all the covenants with them now, announce that everything is annulled, and now these people are not safe at your hands because of their criminal record. Allah says, يُرْضُونَكُمْ They make you happy. They try to please you. From رَضَادِيَا بِأَفْوَاهِهِمْ By their mouths. وَتَأْبَى And it rejects, it refuses. قُلُوبُهُمْ Their hearts. Meaning whenever they make a pact with you, they're just doing it on the outward. Just make you happy. Then yes, yes, we have a treaty for 10 years. We're not gonna fight anymore. We're at peace. And in their hearts, they're cursing you. In their hearts, they're refusing. On the outward, they make promises but in their hearts they refuse. And this is something that we must refrain from. As Muslims, this does not befit a believer, this kind of attitude. That he says to someone on the outward, yes, I will do it. In the heart he says, I'm never doing it. On the outward he says, yes, I'll show up on time. In the heart he says, you're right. This is what? Hypocrisy. Correct? And this is something that does not befit a believer. وَأَكْثَرُهُمْ فَاسِقُونَ And most of them are sinful anyway. Look at their lives full of sin. Look at their speech. They're liars. They make promises, they break them. And this kind of attitude is something that you cannot deal with. We see that the requirements of a harmonious social life, where people can live, can coexist peacefully, are based on two premises. Firstly, ties of kinship. A tie of kinship between two people, then they can coexist. Right? And secondly, that if there is a pact of protection, of security. But if there is a person who does not have respect for either, can you live with him then? Can you live with him? No. Like for example, if there is a person who is living in a house, and first of all, he is related to the people through blood. Let's say he's the brother, he's the son. And secondly, there is this understanding that as a brother, as a son, you respect your parents and you respect your siblings. But if this person is raising weapons against his parents, threatening his siblings, can you live with him anymore? Can you? No. Such people are kicked out of their houses. Correct? One day, the parents say, just go out, get out of here. One day, the poor wife eventually has to call the police. That I feel threatened, I don't feel safe in my house anymore because my husband is physically abusing me. So then what happens? The police interferes and says, that's it. You cannot come near the house. 50 meters near the house. You cannot come near. So this is done, right? So likewise, the mushrikeen were behaving in the same way. You couldn't be safe with them no matter what relationship you had. 
whether it was of blood or it was of a pact, they didn't respect you. They hated you for being a Muslim. So that's it. You can't coexist anymore. Moreover, ishtaraw, they exchanged bi-ayatillah with the verses of Allah. Samanan qalila, a small petty price. Was it that they did not recognize the truthfulness of Allah's ayat? Of course, they were Arabs. They were people who spoke Arabic. If they didn't understand the Qur'an, tell me who did. Who did then? They were the people who understood the Qur'an. It was revealed in their language, in their expression. The eloquence that they appreciated, they recognized. But yet they did not accept. They did not believe. Why? Because they wanted thamanan qalila. And what was that thamanan qalila? The benefits of this life. Because remember, the main fear the mushrikeen had was that if we believe in Allah alone, we leave this idolatry, we're going to lose our supremacy over Arabia. Right? And we're going to lose our money. Where are we going to eat from? Remember we discussed this last time? They were afraid. Where are we going to eat from? Makkah doesn't grow a thing. There's no agriculture here. You can't keep many animals here. There's no food. Neither for us nor for them. So they depended on shirk. For what? For their food. Their economy was based on shirk. These days we see that religion is separate from the state. Isn't that so? Religion is separate from your career. You have your faith, but hopefully it will not interfere in what you do. Right? But back then both were deeply integrated. Economy was based on religion. Alright? The Political leader was also a religious leader. Okay? So they were afraid to give up their shirk because they thought if we give it up, our economy is going to collapse. We're not going to have food anymore. We're going to lose our dignity, our supremacy. Allah says, But this ishtaru bi ayatillahi thamanan qalila fasaddu an sabili. And as a result, they've stopped people from his way. Because if the Quraysh disbelieved, the highest, the most noble tribe of Arabia, you think the people who came from other smaller tribes, they would believe? No, because people are on the religion of their leaders. Right? فَصَدُّوا عَنْ سَبِيلِهِ إِنَّهُمْ سَاءَ مَا كَانُوا يَعْمَلُونَ Indeed they, evil is what they do. Meaning their actions are all evil. Again Allah repeats, لَا يَرْقُبُونَ They do not observe. فِي مُؤْمِنٍ In the matter of a believer, إِلَّا Any tie of kinship, وَلَا ذِمَّةٍ Nor any pact of protection. When it comes to a believer, then they forget everything. Kinship, facts, everything they forget. وَأُولَٰئِكَ هُمُ الْمُعْتَدُونَ And those, it is they who are the transgressors. People accuse the Prophet ﷺ. They accuse the Muslims. In reality, who was the transgressor? It was the mushrikeen. They had transgressed against the Muslims for so long, in so many ways. You see, the Prophet ﷺ, when the captives came from Badr, amongst the prisoners was also his son-in-law. You remember? And there is a kinship between the two, right? There is a relationship between the two. And his wife, the daughter of the Prophet ﷺ, sent from Makkah a necklace as ransom. And you know what that necklace was? It was a necklace that her mother Khadija anha had given. And when the Prophet ﷺ saw that, he wept. Because imagine, he missed his wife. And on top of that, imagine his daughter had to send that in order to free her husband. And the pain that my son-in-law is in this situation. 
because of his association with the people of shirk i'm on this side my son in law is on the other side imagine how much he must have felt and it wasn't just him many companions were in this situation so what happened the companions they said we'll just let him go return the necklace you know your daughter deserves it so they didn't take any ransom they sent the necklace back so we see that because of that illan because of that kinship some generosity was shown isn't it some generosity was shown but on the part of the mushrikeen did they show any generosity to the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam that he was a grandson of abdul muttalib abdul muttalib was someone who was highly respected by the mushrikeen he is the one who rediscovered the well of zamzam because it had been lost by the people it was buried and abdul muttalib when he heard about the birth of muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam he was so happy his other uncles also when they heard about the birth of the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam about muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam what did they do the slave woman who gave the news just you know signaled with the hand you're free go you're free you gave me the best news of my life and the same people they're turning against the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam or their cousins their relatives are turning against him where did that ill go where did that kinship go where did that bond of relationship go that you're so proud about the mushrikeen were so proud about their ancestry about their relationships that even their camels they knew whose grandson he was and whose granddaughter he was and how many children the mother gave birth to imagine it was a major part of their lives and when it came to the muslims it was as if they were some other kind of species they didn't deserve to be respected because of their relationship again allah says fa intabu but if they repent wa aqamu salah and they establish the prayer wa atawuz zakah and they give the zakah fa ikhwanukum fid din then they're your brothers in religion we are human beings right we have small hearts we don't get over how somebody's treated us in the past allah subhanahu wa ta'ala he is vast in his mercy he says if the same criminals they repent they start praying they start giving the zakah then your brothers they are your brothers they can lead you they can stand next to you you have to respect them you have to accept them and this is something that we have to remember also if there is a person who's become a muslim then what do they become automatically your brother your sister in islam so don't start inquiring from them about their past because this is what some people do they start asking them did you ever have a girlfriend did you ever commit zina did you ever do this what do you have to do with that what do you have to do with that anyway they're now your brother your sister you have to respect them just like you respect any other sister in islam any other brother in islam and besides if they were jew or christian all their sins are converted into good deeds anyway so why do you bother right so fa ikhwanakum they're your brothers fiddin in the religion wanu fassilul ayat and we detail the verses liqaumi ya'lamun for people who know and is only the knowledgeable who will understand these matters people who base their religion on just emotion they will not understand these matters knowledge is what makes a person broad minded more accepting more tolerant ilm liqaumi ya'lamun this ayah and the one that we learned earlier also that was similar to this we learn from these verses that a sign of a muslim is what salah and zakat like for example a person says yes i'm a muslim now 
And they never pray at all. Not even Friday prayers, not even Eid prayers. And they never give zakat either. Will you accept them as a Muslim? No. Being Muslim means that you have to do something. And one of the most obvious signs is that you start praying. You start giving the zakat. And when a person is doing this, salat and zakat, then they are your brothers. And we see that if a person leaves even one of them, then they are not. Then they are not your brothers. Doesn't mean that you start saying, oh he's kafir, she's kafir. Allah knows at the end of the day. Okay? And there is a whole lot of detail to this matter. But we see that at the time of Abu Bakr when he became the Khalifa, there were some tribes who revolted against him. And they said, we're no longer going to pay zakat anymore. They said, we're not going to give zakat anymore. So what happened? Abu Bakr anhu, he fought those people. He fought those people. Why? Because this was a rebellion against Islam. This was declaring hostility. Alright? Likewise, we see that when the Prophet ﷺ, if ever, he led the Muslims on an expedition against a group of people, and the Muslims were going to fight them, the Prophet ﷺ would never attack during the night. Never. What would he wait for? For Fajr. At Fajr time, if the adhan was heard, then what would happen? No fighting over there. The Muslims would go away. But if the adhan was not heard, then it was a sign that these people are not Muslim. Okay? So what's the sign of a Muslim? Salah and zakat. وَإِنْ and if نَكَثُوا They break. أَيْمَانَهُمْ Their oaths. مِنْ بَعْدِ عَهْدِهِمْ After their covenant. They make a covenant with you. A pact with you. And after that, they break it. They go against it. And when they go against it, instead of apologizing, instead of trying to make up, what do they do? وَطَعَنُوا فِي دِينِكُمْ And they defame your religion. طَعَنُوا From the root letters, طَعَنُونَ طَعَنُ طَعَنُ is basically to stab someone. Okay? And طَعَنُ is used for statements that stab a person. Okay? Hurtful statements. Basically someone attacking you, what you believe in, what you do. You know like sometimes people attack you because of what you said, because of what you did. Right? This is barn. Criticizing you. Picking up the faults in you. Finding faults in you. Highlighting them. You know like, sometimes some people they come complaining against one individual. And they say, oh she does this, she does this, she does this. That is barn. Criticizing. Because if you think about it, no person is inherently evil. If they're doing something wrong, you also have to acknowledge the many good things that they're doing. Correct? So Allah says over here that if they make a covenant with you and then they break it and instead of apologizing, they start criticizing you in the matter of your religion, then what should you do? فَقَاتِلُوا Then fight them. You're not just going to sit there, let them be at war with you, break the covenant and criticize your religion, then you have to fight. And in particular, who do you have to fight? أَئِمَّةَ Leaders, plural of imam. Which leaders? Al-Kufr of the disbelief. إِنَّهُمْ Indeed they, لَا أَيْمَانَ لَهُمْ They have no oaths. Meaning the leaders of disbelief, they have no regard for their oaths. لَعَلَّهُمْ يَنْتَهُمْ So that they can stop. Because if you think about it, it is the leaders, it is the leaders whom people follow. Correct? So if they are breaking the covenant, and if the leaders are attacking Islam, then who should be targeted? Those leaders. Not the common people, the laymen, who are just like sheep. You understand? 
So don't attack the sheep. Instead, who should you focus on? Eliminating the leaders. Because once they're eliminated, then inshallah the problem should be solved. Because then people will start following somebody else. Because they're sheep. Right? This is the attitude of the people. Now, over here in this ayah, basically the behavior of the mushrikeen is described. That they make pacts, but then they violate them. And then they attack your religion with criticism. So the leaders who are instigating such behavior, breaking the covenants, attacking their religion, remove them from power. Qatilu, fight them, eliminate them. An example of this can be seen, what happened at after the Treaty of Hudaybiyah. Remember I told you that when the mushrikeen, they went against it, the Prophet ﷺ sent word. He gave them the options. Right? That either you pay the blood money, or you consider that this treaty is absolved. But instead of doing anything about it, the mushrikeen, they mocked. They laughed it off. They said, yeah, yeah, we would prefer measure for measure. That meaning, come fight with us. This was basically saying, come fight with us. Let's see what happens. They were mocking. And they mocked at Islam, they mocked at the Prophet ﷺ. So what happened? The Prophet ﷺ led an expedition against the people of Mecca. And that is when he conquered Mecca. Right? Allah says, أَلَا تُقَاتِلُونَ Would you not fight قَوْمًا a people? Meaning what's wrong with you, O believers? Why do you have a soft corner for your enemy? Is his enmity not clear? Is it not visible to you? Why would you not fight a people who have nakathu, who have broken aymanahum, their oaths, wahammu, and they have intended ikhraj with expulsion of Rasul of the Messenger? Look at them. Their crimes are not just those that they've committed today. It's all history. Look back at the time when the Prophet ﷺ had to leave Mecca. And he was so sad. That is a place where he was born. That is a place where he got married to his favorite wife Khadija radiallahu anha. That is a place where he had children. That is a place where Baytullah was. And imagine he had to leave that place. Is there anyone who had to move from one city to another? Anyone over here? How does it feel? Hmm? Awful. Just yesterday somebody was asking me that they'd have to move from one city to the other if they want to do something. And they said just the thought of it is like depressing me. I can't even think about that. I can't even think about moving for good from one place to the other. It's very, very difficult. And especially when you have to leave a place like Mecca, you go for Umrah for a couple of days and the day you're leaving, you're just crying. Right? Because Mecca is Mecca. The Prophet ﷺ was expelled from there because of these criminals. وَهُمْ بَدَأُوكُمْ And they initiated against you awwala marra the first time. They came to Badr with their weapons and their men to fight you. They're the ones who started all this. They're the ones who started all this. Because remember, 30 years in Mecca, what were the Muslims told? Take revenge? What were they told? Be patient. Be patient. The Muslims were killed in Mecca. But you know what? Revenge was not taken. The Muslims were told you have to be patient. For 13 years they were patient. أَتَخْشَوْنَهُمْ Allah says, do you fear them? You fear these criminals? What are you afraid of? Why would you not take action against them? Why would you not bring them to justice? Why do you fear them? فَاللَّهُ أَحَقُّ So Allah is more deserving. أَنْتَخْشَوْهُ That you fear Him. إِن كُنْتُمْ مُؤْمِنِينَ If you're truly believers. Allah has commanded you that you finish all these treaties with them. Allah has commanded that these people have four months and after that their time is up. قَاتِلُوهُمْ Fight them. يُعَذِّبُهُمُ اللَّهُ Allah will punish them بِأَيْدِيكُمْ Through your hands. 
previous nations, how were they destroyed? Flood, earthquake, blast. This nation of criminals is going to be punished how? Through your hands. وَيُخْزِهِمْ And he will humiliate them, disgrace them. وَيَنْصُرْكُمْ عَلَيْهِمْ And why do you worry? Allah will help you against them. Just think about it. In a couple of years, Allah has given you victory over them. I mean, when the Prophet ﷺ left Mecca, when the Muslims were at Badr, 300 men, could they ever imagine that in a couple of years it will be 30,000 of us? Could they ever predict that? What did the people say about them? They're just going to finish in a couple of days. وَيَنْصُرْكُمْ If Allah helped you before, Allah will help you again. عَلَيْهِمْ Against your enemy. وَيَشْفِي And He will satisfy, He will cure from shifa, sudura, the chests, qawmi mu'mineen of a believing people. Because the believers, they have suffered a lot at the hands of these mushrikeen. And now, when the Muslims get to take their revenge, imagine how their heart will be satisfied. It's like, you know, the Bani Israel, when they were rescued, Fir'aun came after them. And what happened? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala caused Fir'aun to drown before the Bani Israel. In the Quran, what do we learn? antum. Because when they saw their enemy die before them, that satisfied them. Why is it that if there is a person who's committed a crime against someone from your family, and their you know final thing is being heard, why is it the whole family shows up at court? Why? Because they want to hear, they want to witness the criminal being punished. Because that is what satisfies them. وَيُذْهِبْ and he will remove غيظة, rage, قلوبهم of their hearts. Meaning when the mushrikeen are brought to justice, when they're eliminated like this, then the rage that has been in the hearts of the Muslims for so long. Imagine how furious Umar anhu must have been by this time. For years he'd been saying, kill him, finish him, finish him. And how finally, وَيُذْهِبْ غَيْضَ قُلُوبِهِمْ وَيَتُوبُ اللَّهُ And Allah will turn in mercy عَلَى مَنْ يَشَاءُ Over whomsoever He wills. Meaning Allah will allow people to repent. But it is those who want to repent who will be given the guidance. Because you know sometimes there are things that you know you should do. But you keep delaying, you keep delaying. But then when you're given an ultimatum, four months or that's it, then what do you do? You're like, okay, it's about time I do it. Correct? So when the mushrikeen were given this ultimatum, you have four months. Then what happened? Those who were delaying, now eventually said, yeah, you know what, it's about time we embrace Islam. وَيَتُوبُ اللَّهُ عَلَى مَنْ يَشَاءُ وَاللَّهُ عَلِيمٌ حَكِيمٌ And Allah is knowing and wise. So in summary, what do we learn from these ayats? The mushrikeen who had committed great crimes against Islam and the Muslims were finally being brought to justice. The Muslims who had been oppressed for so long, now, were now going to be satisfied. Because a person can never be fully satisfied unless justice is done. So this surah brought what? What did it bring? Justice. Recitation of these ayat. فَإِذَا سَلَخَ الْأَشْهُرُ الْحُرُمُ فَقُتُلُ الْمُشْرِكِينَ حَيْثُ وَجَدْتُمُوهُمْ وَخُذُوهُمْ وَحْصُرُوهُمْ وَقْعُدُوا لَهُمْ كُلَّ مَرْصَدٍ فَإِن تَابُوا وَأَقَامُوا الصَّلَاةَ وَآتَوُا الزَّكَاةَ فَخَلُّوا سَبِيلَهُمْ إِنَّ اللَّهَ غَفُورٌ رَّحِيمٌ
وَإِنْ أَحَدٌ مِّنَ الْمُشْرِكِينَ اسْتَجَارَكَ فَأَجِرْهُ حَتَّى يَسْمَعَ كَلَامَ اللَّهِ ثُمَّ أَبْلِغْهُ مَأْمَنَهُ ذَلِكَ بِأَنَّهُمْ قَوْمٌ لَا يَعْلَمُونَ كَيْفَ يَكُونُ لِلْمُشْرِكِينَ عَهْدٌ عِنْدَ اللَّهِ وَعِنْدَ رَسُولِهِ إِلَّا الَّذِينَ عَاهَدْتُمْ عِنْدَ الْمَسْجِدِ الْحَرَامِ فَمَا اسْتَقَامُوا لَكُمْ فَاسْتَقِيمُوا لَهُمْ إِنَّ اللَّهَ يُحِبُّ الْمُتَّقِينَ كَيْفَ وَإِنْ يَظْهَرُوا عَلَيْكُمْ لَا يَرْقُبُوا فِيكُمْ إِلَّا وَلَا ذِمَّةٌ يُرْضُونَكُمْ بِأَفْوَاهِهِمْ وَتَأْبَى قُلُوبُهُمْ وَأَكْثَرُهُمْ فَاسِقُونَ اشْتَرَوْا بِآيَاتِ اللَّهِ ثَمَنًا قَلِيلًا فَصَدُّوا عَنْ سَبِيلِهِ إِنَّهُمْ سَاءَ مَا كَانُوا يَعْمَلُونَ لَا يَرْقُبُونَ فِي مُؤْمِنٍ إِلَّا وَلَا ذِمَّةٌ وَأُولَئِكَ هُمُ الْمُعْتَدُونَ فَإِن تَابُوا وَأَقَامُوا الصَّلَاةَ وَآتَوُا الزَّكَاةَ فَإِخْوَانُكُمْ فِي الدِّينِ وَنُفَصِّلُ الْآيَاتِ لِقَوْمٍ يَعْلَمُونَ وَإِنَّ كَثُوا أَيْمَانَهُمْ بعد عهدهم وطعنوا في دينكم فقاتلوا فقاتلوا أئمة الكفر إنهم لا أيمان لهم لعلهم ينتهون ألا تقاتلون قوما نكثوا أيمانهم وهموا وهموا بإخراج الرسول وهم بدأوكم أول مرة أتخشونهم فالله أحق أن تخشوه إن كنتم قاتلوهم يعذبهم الله بأيديكم ويخزهم وينصركم عليهم وينصركم عليهم ويشف صدور قوم مؤمنين ويذهب غير قلوبهم وَيَتُوبُ اللَّهُ عَلَى مَنْ يَشَاءُ وَاللَّهُ عَلِيمٌ حَكِيمٌ
سبحانك اللهم وبحمدك نشهد ان لا اله الا انت نستغفرك ونتوب اليك السلام عليكم ورحمه الله وبركاته